You're listening to Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Greetings and welcome inside the L Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Leaning Toward Wisdom is the podcast, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Go figure. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. Coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Let's see if we can spend some time together and make it profitable. Let's talk about age, broken hearts, and the getting of wisdom. I don't know where I came across it, but I came across, uh, we'll call it a verse. It's not a poem. It's a, it's a couple of paragraphs long. What does it feel like to be old? The other day, a young person asked me, what did it feel like to be old? I was very surprised by the question since she did not consider me old. And when she saw my reaction, she was immediately embarrassed, but I explained that it was an interesting question. And after reflection, I concluded that getting old is a gift. Sometimes I'm surprised at the person who lives in my mirror, but I don't worry about those things for long. I wouldn't trade everything I have for a few less gray hairs and a flat stomach. I don't scold myself for not making the bed or for eating a few extra little things. I am within my rights to be a little messy, to be extravagant, to spend hours staring at my flowers. I have seen some dear friends leave this world before they had enjoyed the freedom that comes with growing old. Who cares if I choose to read or play on the computer until 4 a.m. and then sleep until who knows what time? I will dance with me to the rhythm of the 50s and 60s, and if later I want to cry for some lost love, I will. I'll walk down the beach in a swimsuit that stretches over my plump body and dive into the waves, letting myself go, despite the pitying looks of the bikini wearers. They'll get old, too, if they're lucky. It is true that through the years, my heart has ached for the loss of a loved one, for the pain of a child, or for seeing a pet die. But it is suffering that gives us strength and makes us grow. An unbroken heart is sterile and will never know the happiness of being imperfect. I'm proud to have lived long enough for my hair to turn gray and to retain the smile of my youth before the deep furrows appeared on my face. Now, to answer the question honestly, I can say I like being old because old age makes me wiser, freer. I'm not going to live forever, but while I'm here, I'm going to live by my own laws, those of my heart. I'm not going to regret what wasn't nor worry about what will be. The time that remains, I will simply love life as I did until today. The rest, I leave to God. I read it and I didn't have, I, I won't tell you that I had some immediate epiphany or anything. I just, I read it and it clearly is the perspective of an older woman answering to presumably a younger woman who's asking, what is it, what is it like to be old? There are some guys down in Austin who do this man on the street kind of interview and they ask, they just walk up to people and say, you know, how old are you? And the people will say, you know, I'm 74. What was it like to, 
what does it feel like to be a 74 year old? And these people will answer and they'll ask them, what did you do for a living? What advice would you give to your younger self? What advice would you give if somebody wanted to become wealthy, uh, in this present day? And some of the answers are, some of the answers are entertaining. And as you could expect, they're, they're different. Not everybody answers the same way. Um, most people seem to be rather okay, if not happy with where they are in life. That is their age. You know, what does it feel like to be old is a really difficult question. So as we kind of begin this journey together, age, I mean, how do you describe that? How would you describe that? I don't care how old you are. Name your age and then ask yourself the question, what does it feel like to be this age? <laughs> well, it, feel, it, feels, it feels exactly like it feels. Um, largely, it kind of feels like it did yesterday and the day before. I mean, it's not like we just wake up one day and we're old. I mean, this has been a, a, this has been a journey. It's been a progression. Uh, do I have some aches? I have some aches, but I don't know that my aches are so much old age as well. They are old age in the sense that they're wear and tear, you know, bodies wear out and all that kind of stuff. But I'm definitely not a person who's living with kind of chronic pain you know, there's some discomfort, but I remember I grew up. Did you ever have leg pains as a kid? Yeah. They used to call them growing pains. Uh, maybe they are. I don't know. And I remember my dad coming in at night and getting the rubbing alcohol and slathering down my legs, you know, because my legs would just ache. They would just ache when I was a, a kid. Well, I don't have that. I had that when I was young. I don't have that now that I'm old. So what does it feel like to be whatever age you are? As I'm hitting the record button, I'm 65. Ron and I both turned 65 in 2022. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel much different than 60. doesn't feel much different than 55. It doesn't feel much different than 50. It, I mean, it, it really doesn't. It just doesn't. I tell people pretty much every week. I have an opportunity at some point to tell people every single week. Uh, in so many ways, I just don't feel like I've ever been better. Number one, I've never been this experienced. I've never had this much insight. I've never had this much wisdom. I've never had this much know-how. Um, as I sit here today, I feel like I still have my faculties. I still have my ambition. I still, I still am driven to achieve. I still am anxious and curious to learn and to grow and to listen to people and to try to understand. And there's so many questions that I have, if anything, over time, I'll tell you what it feels like for me to be old. I, I've got so many questions and you would think, well, okay, the two-year-old's got a lot of questions. Oh yeah. But the questions that you get when you're older, uh, they're, they're way deeper and there are as many of them. And I guess if you're not bent to try to have that curiosity satisfied, I'm not sure what that would feel like because I'm always wanting to understand. I can run across people and I do this with great regularity who, who've just, who've got some position on some matter and it doesn't matter if it's politics or anything else. And 
very dug in on their position and in just trying to ask them, just trying to understand where they're coming from. I'm just amazed at the people who just, you know, they're dug in and some people will just look you in the face and tell you that they're dug in. And then I try to understand that I try to understand, okay, how can, how can you be so dug in on something where, you know, we're not talking about something that deals with empirical truth. We're talking about things that are based largely on opinions, beliefs, whatever. And it's like, okay, what can you help me understand how you got to this place? And I'm amazed at the number of people who either can't or won't do that. What does it feel like to be old? Uh, you know, age is, a. it's been said before age is a number. It's more than a number. It's, it's a sum total of the experiences that we've got and life's learnings. And I don't profess or pretend that my life's learnings are superior to anybody else's. Mine just are what they are. Mine are mine. Yours are yours. And they may be very different. I've got friends who grew up in new England. I've never even been to much of new England. So I have no concept of what it would be like to grow up a New Englander any more than they would have any concept of what it would be like to be born in Oklahoma and grow up largely in Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana. But it's my perspective, which is why it's easy for me to be curious and to seek understanding full well knowing I know what I know. I don't know what they know kind of, I've come, I'm kind of interested to know what they know. I'm kind of interested to know the things that I might could get more right. So in this verse, the things that we give way to as we get older, and it's largely, I would say these are largely vanity issues because, you know, as I read that, I hear this woman is talking about gray hairs and a stomach that's not so flat and not making the bed and eating a few extra things just because you want to. And maybe you can be a little bit extravagant and you can spend your time, you know, kind of doing what you want to do. Some of that can absolutely apply to people. Now, that's not my circumstance in life. And I don't know how old this woman was and frankly, don't don't care because I don't think it matters so much to, to the story or the narrative. You know, I health becomes a deal and I'm not saying that everybody does it and I'm not saying everybody pays attention to it and I'm not even holding myself up. Certainly I'm not holding myself up as the bastion of, of really taking care of oneself, but I try. And as I've gotten older, my effort in that regard has not been for myself. It's been for my wife. And I've said this before. Maybe you haven't heard me say it some years ago, 15 or so. Rhonda and I went to visit an, an older man who was in the hospital and his wife was staying up there with him. And they were, I don't know, they, they were a good 20, maybe even 25 years older than us. And this man through no fault of his own, you know, he just, he was having some, some health issues 
and struggling. And you could see the toll that it was taking on his wife who was caring for him. And we made that visit and I can't tell you exactly what happened in that visit because we had visited these people before with great regularity, but for some reason on that day, in that setting, we got in the car, Rhonda was driving, um, and I got in the passenger seat and we closed the doors. And the first thing I did is I looked at her and this sounds, this sounds like a horrible indictment of this older man. And I don't mean it that way. And I didn't mean it that way when I said it, but I looked at her and I said, I don't think I can do that to you. And all I meant by that was I want to do everything in my power so that as a, as an older man, I don't put you in a position to basically have to nurse me. And it had nothing to do with male pride or it didn't have anything to do with me. It had everything to do with her and me looking at this older woman who was doing exactly what frankly she should have done. And I applaud her. They both have since passed on. But I applauded her for doing it then. I applauded him for, you know, not having such a male ego that he was just cantankerous and angry. And as, quite frankly, a lot of old men get. And the older I get, I kind of do understand that. There's no justification for it now. But you can at least kind of sort of get it. You know, what once was, and now here you are and increasingly may be getting a little more helpless. Now, in many ways, health can be a little bit like a lottery. You know, you may not know. I mean, things happen. Uh, Sometimes we bring about kind of our own health crisis and sometimes not. But what I did the next week, I went to one of the national fitness chains and I walked in and I said, I, what's your best smoking deal? And the guy said, well, our best smoking deal is this much money. And it was, it seems to me it was a few hundred dollars. You can pay this much money and here's how much it is every year. And in essence, what it amounted to is prepaying for a number of years up front at a heavily discounted rate, but you give them the money up front. And then, you know, after the first few years, then here's kind of, here's the renewal rate. And coupled with that, you got like a handful of sessions with a personal trainer, which at the time I didn't necessarily care about, but I thought, you know, I'm going to lean into this. So I whipped out my money. I paid them and I got going and I kind of became a gym rat. And by gym rat, I'm talking about going four or five times a week, some weeks more. And this particular gym was open a lot of hours. And I went, I just went whenever I could go. I would go after work. I would go before work. Sometimes I would go during work. And I went and I went and I went. And I went through. I, I connected with a personal trainer that I, I really liked and he showed me a few things to do based on some of the issues that I was having. I had a, had one shoulder that was kind of giving me some problem and really tight hamstrings, which I've always had. 
and it was profitable. It was really profitable. And frankly, continued to do that until COVID. And then COVID, of course, shut down all the gyms, and that's all she wrote. But that was the impetus for me. So, again, I'm talking about over 15 years ago, maybe more. And I began to think about age before I was this old. And that was why it didn't, it had nothing to do with vanity. It had nothing to do with a flat stomach. It had nothing to do with less gray hair or in my case, more hair. It just had to do with, here's this woman that I care about deeply. And I want to do everything in my my power to give her and to give us as a couple. I mean, why wouldn't you just give it the, give it our, give it our best. I mean, let's give it a go. I could relate. I did. T- I did get tickled when I read. Uh, who cares if I choose to read or play on the computer until four a.m.? <laughs> I I I read. I don't play on the computer. Well, I play on the computer if you call watching YouTube videos. But I read this as playing a game on a computer, and I don't do that. But four a.m. and then sleep until who knows what time. I couldn't relate to that, as you well know, being the hopeless insomniac. Nor could I relate to the rhythm of the fifties and sixties. I'm not a kid of the fifties and sixties. I was born in fifty seven, so I'm really more of a kid of the seventies uh, and eighties. And if later I want to cry for some lost love, I will. Uh, I don't cry for lost love because I happen to be the guy who found love and I've still got it. Um, but I freely have admitted to anybody and everybody. I cry every day. I cry every day. I just do. Uh, I also laugh out loud every day. And I will say that I laugh out loud more than I cry. Well, most days (laughs) Uh, I don't walk down the, I don't walk down a beach ever. And if I did walk down a beach, I wouldn't be in a swimsuit. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) Um, it's true that through the years, my heart has ached for the loss of a loved one, for the pain of a child or for seeing a pet die. Yes, I can absolutely uh, relate to that. And I believe I agree with this statement. I believe it's true, but it is suffering that gives us strength and makes us grow. I wish it weren't that way, but it is. It's the hardships, it's pain, it's struggle. It's the resistance that gives us the strength and makes us grow. It's, it's lifting weight that we couldn't lift before that helps our muscles grow. And it's the endurance of the tough times that give us the strength that we need. I, you know, I, I will tell coaching clients pretty regularly. I'm not a sailor, but I've been told if you want to learn to sail, sailors learn to sail, uh, not in tranquil water. They learn to sail when it's choppy. And I completely understand that. I absolutely understand that. An unbroken heart is sterile and will never know the happiness of being imperfect. I would add to that. Is there anybody on the planet who has an unbroken heart? I I haven't met them. Maybe there are. I've just, I've never met anybody whose heart has never been broken. And I don't mean maybe in the stereotypical sense of a broken heart coming from being rejected or having your love rejected. 
I've had my heart broken a number of times and my broken heart. I don't think about, you know, somebody who rejected my overtures. Uh, my heart's been broken by various and sundry things. And I suspect yours has too. Proud to have lived long enough for my hair to turn gray, or in my case, for it to have just turned loose. <laughs> I don't feel any different. I look different, and I realize I look different. But again, I've got to agree with the writer. I like being old because old age makes me wiser, freer. And I do agree with that. Just comfortable in your, in your own skin. I don't know if it's true or not. If the challenges and the struggle and the strain and the pain and the suffering, which absolutely include a broken heart, if those things, beside giving us greater resolve, besides making us stronger, I also realize that those can work in a negative if we let them and that they can make us hard and callous. You see it. You see older people, you know, it's that grumpy old man syndrome. Yeah, get off my lawn. You know, just impatient, sick of it, tired of it, just don't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> I I felt like that when I was in my 30s. <laughs> so I don't know that that's a whole lot of different, but I, I, think, I think that hardness, no, I know. I know that that hardness is a choice. I refuse to believe that that hardness, that lack of compassion, that grumpiness, that whatever you want, however you want to term it, that that's just something that is imposed on us with age. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it because if that were the case, then that would mean, okay, we re we reach this point in life where we're just absolved of the responsibility. Well, okay. Wouldn't you love to know at what age that is? Cause then you can just blame everybody for everything going on in your life. You don't have to accept any responsibility for any of it. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you'll ever reach an age. I don't believe that you'll ever be too young or too old. Okay. You could be too young, but I'm talking about adults. You can't be too young as an adult. You can't be too old as an adult to bear responsibility. What age is that? I don't know. Let's take my seven-year-old grandson. So my seven-year-old grandson. So on a couple of the, we, we worship three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday evening, Sunday morning, they're sitting with their family, but Sunday afternoon and Wednesday evening, the seven-year-old sits by my wife. I surrender my seat and I move back and I sit by his brother who's nine. And, you know, the seven-year-old Rhonda just, as a grandparent, she just does not behave the way she did toward our kids. She's much more lax, you know, so he's up there and he's kind of rambunctious and he's making racket and he's flipping pages and he's dropping crayons. And so I finally, a week ago, I'm like, I go up and I talk to him and I talk to her and I said, he, he has got you because I'm sitting now, I'm sitting two, two rows behind them when I move back and it's horribly distracting and it drives me crazy. So we have this, we have this 
just short talk. And she says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. I said, okay. And so she does. My point is he's seven. Is he responsible? You bet. I can promise you he's responsible. Is he accountable? I can promise you he's accountable. And I can promise you that mom and dad and grandma and grandpa are making him accountable too. He doesn't call us that. He calls me Papa and he calls her Nana, but yeah, he's seven. Well, if he's seven and he can be responsible, then I'm 65. I know I can be too, but I know it's a unique perspective in life. We just, as a family, we're just not about to teach this kid, you know, you're just a victim. You're just a victim and it's not your fault. You know, we just don't really fixate on fault. We don't fixate on guilt. We don't fixate on blame. We fixate on, okay, what are you going to do about it? Now what? I mean, that, that is the two word question. Now what, you know, you're dropping stuff during worship service. You're making too much racket. You're distracting the people that sit behind you. So what are you going to do about this? And now what we do, because he's seven, we're training, we're teaching. This is what you're going to do about it. And yes, we're imposing our will. Why? Well, because we love him enough to do that. We care about him enough to do this for him. We're not doing it for us. It's kind of exhausting to do it for us. We've already learned these things, but he needs to learn these things. And it does take a community to teach some of these things. So, Hey, there's that. This is the getting of wisdom. And yes, the getting of wisdom needs to start early and it needs to be a lifelong pursuit. Come on. It's the whole reason for the podcast. Well, it's one of them. We're just trying to lean toward wisdom and lean away from our own foolishness. I disagree. The, the third line from the end of this verse is I know I'm not going to live forever, but while I'm here, I'm going to live by my own laws. Those of my heart. I disagree with everything in that sentence. I know I'm not going to live forever. Well, she's wrong. You are going to live forever somewhere. You get to decide where you obey God. You become a Christian. You live faithfully. You live according to the scripture. You're going to live forever in eternal bliss. You don't, you're still going to live forever. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to be blissful. But while I'm here, I'm going to live by my own laws. Those of my heart. That's a bad formula. In fact, I'll go you better. That's a horrible formula. I'm going to live by my own laws. Those of my own heart, Jeremiah 10, 23, it's not in man to direct his own steps, but boy, do we try. I would completely agree with that sentiment, by the way, if I had the ability to determine all on my own where I'm going to live forever, but I don't have that ability and you don't either. And so we worship a God who created everything. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm just, I'm stating my, my position here. I could live by my own laws. I could live my self centered, selfish way and do what I want any way I want. When I want follow my heart, follow my urges, follow my desires. That's a crummy way to live in my opinion. And then the next sentence says, I'm not going to regret what wasn't or worry about what will be. Well, if I'm going to live such a self-centered, foolish life, 
and just follow my heart and follow my urges, I can promise you I'm going to regret some things. If not in this life, when I get to the other side, I'm absolutely going to regret it. I'm going to learn what a horrible, 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 horrible mistake I made. Read the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in the New Testament. Yeah, just Google it. Read it. The time that remains, I will simply love life as I did until today. The rest I leave to God. Well, now God enters the picture. The whole verse ends with God. Would that it had begun with God and ended with God and had God all interspersed throughout. Yet I had a better verse, in my opinion. The time that remains, I will simply love life as I did until today, is, is for me, is just such an empty phrase. For me, the time that remains, man, there's just, there's still a ton of work to do. Because when you get older, you realize that with age and with the broken heart and with the getting of wisdom, the responsibility gets heavier. The weight, the burden of what you know you can do and what you should do in order to help the seven-year-olds in your life, the nine-year-olds in your life, the 47-year-olds in your life, the 57-year-olds in your life, the more compelled I am to do that. Not the same. It is not the same. The dealing of the seven-year-old and the imposing of a will because the seven-year-old lacks the judgment that a 47-year-old should is very different. And so for me, then the time that remains is, okay, what can I do to contribute to this person's growth, welfare, improvement, how can I contribute to help them be better? How can I contribute to help them figure it out? I can't do it for them. And I'm not even supposed to do it for them. It's their life. It's not my life. I don't get a vote, but I do have the opportunity, opportunity to influence it. And that influence should be with a focus on them and hopefully if my heart's right to help them become the best version of themselves, because I don't care about anything except the very best outcome for them. You might disagree. Maybe you agree. Doesn't mean we got to get mad at each other about it. You can be wrong. <laughs> I can be wrong. We can get it wrong. And sometimes with the age and broken hearts and getting of wisdom is getting it wrong. You know, for me, the question about figuring it out is when you do get it wrong, what are you going to do with that? And I want to make sure that I'm working really hard when I get it wrong to make it right. 
I think I've shared with you before. I came up with this when I was about 27. And I dubbed it my business philosophy. If you go to my website, growgreat.com, and if you click over on coaching with Randy Cantrell, you'll, you'll see it at the bottom of the page. And it's still there. It's still dubbed my business philosophy. But I'm going to tell you, it's way more. It, 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 it has morphed over the decades to become way more than a business philosophy. It's just the way I roll. Always be honest, be competent, give more, make it right. And that last one is super, 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 super important because I don't get it right. But I firmly believe that I've got the capacity to make it right. To course correct. The Bible calls it repentance. A change of mind that leads to a change of action. Going in a different direction. Because, well, that direction I was going thought that might be right but it wasn't right so i want to get it wrong age broken hearts and the getting of wisdom i don't know what do you think leaning toward wisdom.com is the website my name is randy cantrell greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio